Good morning, friends. Today's message is titled, When Was the Last Time You Said I Was Wrong? You know, it's a fundamental mark of spiritual health to be able to say those words, I was wrong. Blessed indeed is the person who can say that because they're on their way to spiritual health. Now, if you want a verse to go along with my thesis, just jot down Proverbs 28:13. He who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Did you get that? When we sin, Solomon says we only have two options. Option one is to conceal it. <clears throat> that means to cover it up, to make excuses, to rationalize, to pass the buck. When that happens, we don't prosper. We go through kind of an internal hell of living with a guilty conscience. In the words of Psalm 32, our bones waste away and our strength is sapped. In other words, we suffer physically and mentally because we conceal our sins. Nothing works right. Well, option two is confess our sins and renounce them. Now, both of those words are really important. To confess means to own up to what you did. When you confess your sins, you're saying, yeah, I did it, and I know it was wrong. To renounce those sins means to take steps to break the sinful pattern in your own life. When you renounce your sins, you're saying, I've been walking in, down the wrong road, and, and now with God's help, I'm not going to walk in that path anymore. I'm going to change the direction of my life. But let's be honest with each other. It's really not very easy to say, I was wrong. In fact, most of us would rather do anything sometimes to admit that we were wrong. But maybe we'd at least say, I was, well, no, I wasn't right. <laughs> but you know, friends, not right is not the same thing as wrong. If you're wrong, you're wrong. But if you're not right, nobody really knows what you are. Sometimes we make excuses so subtly that we don't even realize what we're doing. I mean, let us say that you were describing an argument you had with someone. You say, well, all I said was, now, you do not have to be an Einstein to figure out that you are in trouble the moment those four words come out of your mouth. Whenever we preface something with the four words, all I said was, well, we're kind of in deep weeds already. Those are four of the most destructive words in the English language. They imply that you are sane, logical, and loving, and the other person is a nut. And when you use those four words, you're really saying, it's not my fault. I, I don't have a problem. Somebody else has a problem. Well, and let's be honest with each other. As long as you continue to say that, as long as I continue to say that, we really can't be forgiven. As long as you say that your relationships, my relationships will remain broken. As long as we say that, we're going to struggle with bitterness and resentment. As long as you say that, you'll remain locked out of the abundant life Jesus came to provide. So, and as long as we blame other people, our lives will remain broken and fragmented because holy living demands total honesty about your condition. We'll never really know holiness or wholeness or mental or spiritual health. That's why this first question is so crucial. Is it becoming easier to say, I was wrong? Well, we're going to take a look at a story this morning, very familiar to probably many of you. Jesus told a story about a young man who felt an urge to leave his father's house. Very familiar story. It's one that happens in, in a lot of families. This young man asked for his portion of the family estate, left for a distant land. There he squandered his money on wild living. Days passed, then weeks, then months. <clears throat> and at last came the day when the young man had spent all of his money 
and really had no friends around. Now, broken, destitute, he found himself in a desperate place, far from family, far from friends. Now, even though he was ashamed, he hired on with a farmer who put him to work slopping the hogs. He was so hungry that he found himself probably on his hands and knees in front of that trough, ready to eat with the pigs. It was at that precise moment that the light turned on in his brain. In a blinding flash, he saw himself and he saw what he had become. Most of all, he saw that it was his own stupidity that had gotten him in such a mess. No longer would he blame his father or criticize his older brother. No longer would he pretend to be something he was not. In that moment of self-revelation, he saw what he had become. He knew that there was only one way back. You know, the strange irony of this situation hit him like a ton of bricks. His father's servants were eating their fill back at home while he, the master's son, was living with pigs. Then he thought to himself, I'm going to get up and go back home. When I get there, I'm going to say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. And with that, that young man got up, brushed himself off, gathered his things, and began making his long journey back home. He was still a long way off, many of you know that story, when his father spotted him trudging up the dusty road. And before the young man knew what was happening, his father ran to him, threw his arms around him, kissed him, and said, Welcome home, son. Well, the son, what he said, what he had memorized in the pig pen, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But, you know, the father cut him off. He wouldn't hear any more of that. He said, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, kill the fatted calf. Uh, let's have a barbecue, call the neighbors, spread the good news, tell everyone you see this son of mine was dead and is alive. He's lost, and he, now he's found. Now, I want to make one observation and one observation only. This young man, whom we call the prodigal son, turned his whole life around by saying three simple words. I have sinned. Or maybe another way, I was wrong. I mean, he said it while he was still living with the pigs. He said it while he was still far away from home. He said it while he was still broken hungry. But those three words, I have sinned, turned his life around. But you know something? That's a parable of your life and of mine. When we have sinned, we are so ashamed to find ourselves in the pig pen that we dare not tell anyone where we are. So we try to clean ourselves up. We try to be presentable. We brush our teeth, comb our hair, but we, we still got pig slop under our fingernails. I mean, everybody knows we've been with the pigs. Now, this story is for everyone who's tired of eating with the pigs. And if you're ready to go home, I've got good news for you. The father is standing in the road waiting for his, for you. His arms are open wide. He knows where you've been. And guess what? It does not matter to him. The only thing that matters is for you to come home, for me to come home. That is what the grace of God is all about. You can come home. You can start over. You can be forgiven. The slate can be wiped clean. You don't have to live the rest of your life in hiding. You don't have to live in fear that someone will find you out. You don't have to eat with pigs forever. All I'm saying is it's possible, and it depends on one thing. You have to do what the prodigal son did. You must come to your senses and say, Father, I have sinned. Now, when you do, you're going to find the mercy that Proverbs 28:13 talks about. It says, 
Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. And when you do, you're going to discover 1 John 1 verse 9 is true. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I hope you got that. He is faithful. He is just. He will forgive your sins. He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, that brings me back to the basic problem. Ever since Adam, we tend to do two things when we sin. We hide. We blame someone else. Now, most of us are pretty good at that. We know all the good hiding places, and we've memorized a thousand excuses. But listen carefully, friends. As long as you, as long as I, as long as we live that way, we can never be forgiven, never. I mean, your refusal to own up to your mistakes costs you. It means you're going to live with the burden of your past hanging like a millstone around your neck. Through Jesus, it's possible to be forgiven. But even he cannot forgive someone who refuses to ask for forgiveness. As long as you refuse to admit you've done anything wrong, forgiveness is just sitting out there waiting. Therefore, you will stay like you are right now, unforgiven, unhealthy, unfragmented, broken, confused, divided, locked up inside the citadel of your own self-justification. But, guess what? That word but is always there. If you own up to your mistakes and say that you and no one else is responsible for them, then you can be forgiven. So let me ask the basic question one more time. Is it becoming easier to say, I was wrong? This is the sin, I confess. I hope the answer is yes. This is where holy living must begin. Now, years ago, I was at a Willow Creek Leadership Summit, and a speaker was talking about visiting a halfway house in his hometown, kind of a place where people with severe emotional struggles would come and find healing. It was in the main meeting room. There was a sign above the fireplace that said, Do you want to be right or well? Think about that for a moment. That's a great question. Do you want to be right or well? Now, each of us faces the same choice. As long as you demand that you're right all the time, well, you're not going to get well. But once you learn to say, I was wrong, then you begin to get well. So it asks the question, would you like to be healed? Would you like to get better? Would you like to see the power of the Holy Spirit released in your life? Would you like to see God do something miraculous in the relationships that mattered most to you? If so, then here's a place to begin. Are you willing to give up your right? To always be right? If so, you can get well and the healing can begin right now. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we do not have to be perfect to come to you. If we had to be perfect, who among us would qualify? They call you the friend of sinners. And thank God it is true. You are the friend and we are the sinners. Thank you for taking us in. I pray also for those people who've listened today and may be troubled by my words. May they have the courage to give up their right to always be right. Help those who feel easy, uneasy, to yield to the gentle wooing of the Holy Spirit. May they not be ashamed to join the rest of us in the grand order of Sinners Anonymous. In Jesus' name, amen. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion. God bless.